Hey, everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes is a Goal podcast. I'm your host, John Acuff, and I love goals. Why? Because a goal is the fastest path between where you are today and where you want to be tomorrow. And best of all, finishing a goal feels amazing. You will never forget the first time you hold a book you finished writing. You will never forget the moment you crossed the finish line of a 5K race. You'll never forget when someone paid you to do something you love doing. That's why restaurants have their first dollar bill framed behind the cash register. It's not about the amount of money. It's not a ton of money. It's a dollar bill. Why would you frame it? Because of what it represents. They did it. They finished. I want you to have that feeling too. I want you to have that moment. I want to help you cross the finish line of whatever goal you care about. Because the future belongs to finishers. That's why I'm doing this podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Colleen Berry. If you've already read my brand new book soundtracks, available everywhere books are sold, you're very familiar with Colleen. Her story is in the first chapter because it's that amazing. It's been really fun for me because over the last few weeks, I've been doing podcasts with people who got early versions of my book. And a lot of the interviewers have said, hey, 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 tell me more about Colleen Berry. Tell me more about her story. She's incredible. And it's true. She is. I could have spoken to her for hours and hours. Her story is that good. And when you hear what she did when she lost her job and where she is now, it's going to blow you away. I can't wait for you to hear about it in this episode. But first, today's episode is sponsored by MediShare. Have you guys ever had buyer's remorse? You know, that feeling of intense regret because the thing you thought you just had to have was only something you used once or twice. For me, it was the time I bought a really expensive road bike because I thought I was going to get into cycling. I proceeded to hang it on the wall in my garage and feel ashamed for six months. Well, I know some of you are experiencing buyer's remorse right now for something much more frustrating. You know what I'm talking about. It's the health care you rushed to get during open enrollment last December. Well, I have some good news for you. You've probably heard me talking about our main sponsor for this podcast, MediShare, and these guys have the answer to healthcare buyer's remorse. Check this out. Members of MediShare save up to 50% or more per month on their healthcare costs. They say the typical family saves up to $500 per month. And here's the best part. You can become a member at any time. So that means it isn't too late to ditch your buyer's remorse and switch to a more affordable healthcare that will save you money and help you sleep better at night. If this is your first time you're hearing about MediShare, it is the best alternative to health insurance that allows you to share the burden of medical bills, offers access to 900,000 plus healthcare providers, and has a proven 25-year track record. Plus, in addition to saving hundreds per month as a member of MediShare, you will also have access to free telehealth and free telecounseling. You won't find that with any traditional health insurance provider. Guys, it only takes two minutes to see how much you could save. Go investigate that for yourself and your family at metashare.com slash John. That's metashare.com slash John. Remember, John doesn't have an H in it. So it's M-E-D-I, that's meta, share, S-H-A-R-E, dot com slash J-O-N. All right, Colleen, I want to start things off with a bit of a prediction. I predict that your story in my new book, Soundtracks, will be one of the favorite stories in the entire book. It's absolutely amazing, which is why I put it in the first chapter, and I knew immediately that I wanted to have you on my new podcast. You went from barista to CEO <laughs> at Gibson Sotheby's International Realty, and, and that's the conclusion, but I want to back up a minute. When we first met, I had posted on LinkedIn looking for real people who had changed their lives by changing their mindsets, and you responded. Your kind of journey, the one that I get to tell in the first chapter of the book, starts with the dot-com bust, if you will, in Boston. So you lost your job. Was it 2008? Do I have the year right? So actually, that was back in 01, 02. So uh, that one. That one. I'm trying to yeah. get my recessions mixed up. Yeah. That's, that's fun in our generation. <laughs> Don't worry. We're, we're creating a new one for yeah, you, John. Yeah, yeah. So There's you a can... third for me to live through. Fantastic. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored so it was, by it was not long after the, the dot-com bust, and I had actually just finished a contract job. So there was, you know, there was not a lot of work around, you know, you, you don't get to re-up when there isn't a lot of work. And, you know, all of my friends had these really cool gigs where they were working at places where there were, you know, there were uh, coffee bars and, and it was a little bit like what it, what, what it was more recently, you know, ping pong tables and endless energy bars. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. The only thing you don't see though, John, in the, those cases is bowling. 
I miss bowling. I feel like yeah, bowling it's not. Can... I think it's hard to install a bowling alley. From that's what I've, an excellent point. No one's told me that. I'm just using my eyes and the size of bowling mm-hmm. alleys. I think it's like a ping pong yeah. table is much more. Ma- you can fold up a ping pong table. I don't know that they make a foldable bowling alley. Yeah, not that I'm aware of, but maybe this is the next wow. big idea. Somebody, but... yeah, we'll hear that. So there weren't a lot of jobs to be had, and you know anybody who was out in the workforce during that time was probably in the same boat I was, which is, okay, now I have a mortgage and I have to be able to cover that. And so I I started doing all kinds of stuff. And I, at the time, was doing freelance work. I was cooking pizzas, you know, at nights and, and on the weekends at a local restaurant doing salads and pizzas in a wood-fired oven. And I, that was my second time in a kitchen. And And I can do that work, but that's really hard work. It's not something I eagerly want to go back to. I answered a job to uh, to be a, a receptionist at a real estate company in the rental office of a real estate company. One of the, one of my neighbors said, hey, you still looking for work? Give me a resume. There's a there's a job opening, you know, at our rental office. And I said, sure, I'll take it, whatever it is. So a neighbor 19 years ago says, hey, here's a thing. Because I, I think that's interesting. We often think the path we're going to go on, I'll know it. I'll see it. I'll have the future. And it was a neighbor in the midst of you cooking pizzas, stringing together jobs um, that said, hey, what if? And you said, okay, well, I'll give, I'll add this to the mix of Colleen does a bunch of jobs. Right. Well, and, you know, and I think you're one of these people too. And my experience has been, you're better off being open to stuff. The thing that I, that pains me is I, a lot of the people I know who have a lot of regrets are people who have waited for something to be perfect. You know, like, this isn't exactly the right career move. This isn't exactly the right job offer. It's not exactly the pay I'm looking for. I mean, there's there's always a reason that they can say, you know, I'll wait for the next time it comes around. And I'm sure we both know, all of us, anybody who's listening to this knows people, and maybe they are these people who they go, wow, that didn't come around again. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah. I thought it was going to come around again, and it didn't. Um, and, you know, that wasn't a particularly great time for me. I mean, that was a challenging time for a lot of us. I mean, that was the first time in my life, and hopefully it will be the the only major one, although I've lived through others living in Boston, but first big terrorist attack in the United States. So there was sort of the lasting effects of that. I mean, I was down, I had, a uh, when I was doing filmmaking work, that contract I was on, I had to deliver a film down off of Wall Street three weeks after 9-11. So I had to, I saw that, you know, the aftermath, yeah. the smoke and every, it was just a nightmare. And so, you know, we we're all kind of shaken. And the career path wasn't opening up like I thought it was. You know, I one door closed and I didn't couldn't see the the windows opening. <laughs> and not then, even the window would crack. No. Yeah. Until the neighbor said, here's the mail slot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Try yes, the mail that's, slot. <laughs> that's great. And that's uh, great. And so, you know, I was trying to do a lot of stuff for myself at that point. I think, you know, when you and I were talking about the book, one of the things we were talking about is kind of knowing yourself. Like, what are the things that you have to do? And I think, you know, the title of the book is perfect in so many ways because I actually, I like use music to get myself jazzed up. I've got like a little playlist and stuff. And so I was trying to do everything I could knowing who I am. Because at that point I was in my, you know, late 20s. I was starting to get to know who I was and understanding kind of how my machine works. You know, and and I have a tendency... A good example is, you know, I was struggling through that time to try to figure out what to do. And in different times in my life, I've tried to pay attention to, geez, I have this tendency or that tendency. I should be more careful (laughs) about something. So great example. If I have cable, I will invest a lot of time, a lot of time in watching television. What was the show that taught you that? Was it like, oh my gosh, I watched every Sopranos 14 times. Okay. I'm going to tell you a funny story. So the show that here, here's kind of how we arrived at how I could understand how much television I was watching. I went to an art show in Winchester, Massachusetts, really sweet little town. Is that Western Massachusetts? It's actually not far outside of Boston, believe it or not. It's a Winchester sweet, sweet town. Griffin It's a beautiful museum. And and so I'm meeting people as I'm there and there's this guy there. And I'm like, God, I feel like I know him. Like we've, I feel like we know each other intimately. Like we've had personal conversations before. We've had face-to-face conversations. And I said, uh, do you live in the South End of Boston? Because I was living in the South End at the time. And he said, nope, nope, I don't. I said, huh, do you work in the South End? He was like, I, I don't. I live in New York. I was like, oh. And I said, w- would we know each other from somewhere? He said, I'm an actor. And I said, oh, would I have seen you in something? And he said, I'm on Law and Order. And I was like, ah. Oh. We've solved <laughs> murders together, me and this we man. Have, 
I'll tell you what, we've done some serious stuff together. We found bodies in the, like, runners. Oh, oh no, there's a jogger. Yes, yeah. that's how you learn how to be careful about jogging, John. I know you yeah, run, exactly. so you have to be careful about that. Yeah. So, but I mean, that is how invested in television I will get. I will get to the point where I am fairly certain we are friends if you're yeah. on a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> and... um so I, you know, it, it, at one point in my life, when I was really trying to invest in myself, I cut cable. I, I said, forget cable. I will listen to the radio. I'm going to read books and I'm going to get, I need something around, you know, going to get myself a fish tank. <laughs> had you had a fish tank before? I think I had a goldfish probably for 45 minutes when I was 11 years old. You know, I you probably won it at the church fair. fair. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It came in a plastic bag and they were like, this is going to die today. Here There's, you go. Oh yeah, at least. Yeah. It got, I think it made it all the way home. Nice. Um, you know, I've tried to learn about who I am, my machine, how I, I can do better things, you know, situations that could go south. Like a great example, COVID. You know, I, I tend to suffer from depression, so I got to be really careful about spending a lot of time at home by myself. Yeah, isolation. <laughs> yeah, not not yeah. A great and winter. Thing. Now we get to do the winter. Oh yeah. yeah, so so many good things. So I recently started getting into woodworking and instrument repair. I've played guitar for a long time, so I just rebuilt this guitar. I restored it. It was missing everything it could be missing and still be called a guitar. I love that. And it's just the, and now it's my favorite instrument. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course. Yeah. We've bonded. It's the Colleen. That's right. It's like the guy on uh, on Law and Order. I mean, we've, that is amazing. we've solved murders together. <laughs> Did you interview other things, like other passions, other goals that you said, you know what? Yeah. Okay. So like, what else did you interview in this season? So that's a good question. So I also started really getting into uh, old records. And so I've got a lot of really great old records. I started picking up a lot of old blues, jazz, uh, some old country. I've got some Dolly Parton. You and I have, I know oh, we've yeah. talked about our love of Dolly before. You know, that that's one path I've gone down. I've also been, I've got a six-year-old son. So we've been trying to do projects together. We built his desk for, you know, he's had to do a lot of hybrid and, and remote learning. Sure. So we built a little desk for him. Of course, that's always, you know, when you've got kids and you involve them in a project, you're like 30 bucks. We can knock out a desk. We oh, go to yeah. the wood store and he picks out the most exotic woods they have. Was he mahogany? He's like, bring me your <laughs> finest teak. <laughs> Absolutely. I want this carved out of ivory. Do you have any tusks, sir? The guy at the wood store who, who coincidentally, his name is Woody. Oh, <laughs> so nice. then, yeah, of course. Nice. Yeah. He said, your kid's got good taste. I said, yeah, I know. As I'm pulling my credit card out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the idea was, how can I be spending my time in a way that benefits me and it feels good? at the end of it. And it, and for me, then I always think about, I have to keep my feet moving. You know, if I sit still too long, I start to develop like inertia. It's really hard to keep me moving. So, you know, I've been listening to some good books. I've been reading some good books, harder for me to read because, you know, at the end of a long day, you know, it just hits me in the face while I'm lying in bed. So I have to be careful. The Kindle was not good that way. It's heavier than a regular book. Oh yeah. So that's, you know, sort of my long-winded way. And I was learning a lot about myself during that time. How would you, so, and I think, I think we're going to go through the conversation and through the story, but I think we'll have so many little side roads. If you sat down with somebody that said, okay, Colleen, I don't know about me. How do I start to do that? And, And you have employees, you have people that report to you. You have younger generation that reports to you. If somebody sits down, because I love that, I don't want to use the word rule. Like the Colleen's rules sounds too restrictive because mm-hmm. this actually feels freeing. Like yes. these are good boundaries that help you. You've got a handful of those. If I came to you and said, I don't, I just don't have any. Like, I don't know, you know, what to do. Because I hate when somebody says the first step to being a great whatever is to know yourself perfectly. And they say yeah. it on Instagram, like that takes 10 minutes. Right. Oh, yeah. What's some of the first steps down the path of that for you? That's a really good question. If you're going to try to do it on your own, and and some people are able to do that really well, I think you can kind of go through and ask yourself some key questions. And I'll give you an example of one. You know, a bunch of years ago, I don't have like one particular passion. So, and, you know, we live in this like... Do you ever feel guilty for that? Oh, 100. I felt like I was lost because of that. Because I would read these books and they would say, just follow your passion. If you do what you're passionate about, it's no longer work. And I was like, I don't have one thing. <laughs> yeah. I've been jealous of like, I saw somebody that had a herpetol, like a herpetological, I'm going to say that wrong, like snake yeah. society bumper sticker. And I was like, I really wish I was that into a single thing. Like, right. I really wish I was like, man, breeding snakes. 
it's all, for. all about it. If yeah. it's got scales and a yeah, long tail. Yeah, sign me up. I'm there. Yeah. And it's, I'm with you on that. Like I am a genuinely very curious person. I enjoy people. I'm, I like learning about things. I mean, it's this guitar thing is a, is a great example. Like I've been rewiring fixtures in our house. I mean, is that, is that even legal for me to be doing that? Maybe we cut that part out. But um, so, you know, I'm interested in a lot of different things for a while, feeling kind of bad about that. Like, well, I guess I don't know what to do. And, and then I asked myself this question, what was the most fulfilling day you've had in your career? No, just think about it. Best day you've had, and then worst days. But for me, the best day is when I get home at the end of the day, and it can be a day where I work 12 hours straight, and I help someone to get to what they wanted to accomplish. I I mean, I feel like I could run a marathon after that. There's a lot of positive energy in there. I feel like I feel fulfilled. I feel like I bonded with someone in a meaningful way. You know, it like it checks all the boxes off for me. You know, that would be one way that people could figure out who they are is like, when did they feel most fulfilled? And then conversely, you know, what were the, the jobs that or the things that they really dislike? And, and can they dig deeper to understand why they dislike them? You know, and you can use a friend. I mean, use your friends, you know, anybody who you trust to tell you the truth, first of all, not the friend who's like, oh, no, you're just amazing. Get yeah. the friend. Like, I've got some of these friends in my life who will tell you, by the way, you're screwing up. You're like, oh, geez, yeah. that's not what I was going for. And you can ask them, you know. I, I had a tr- trouble with this job or this thing. Why did I have trouble with that? You know, do you have any insight? The more introspective you are, the more helpful it is. Journaling can help with that too. Journal at the end of the day. All you're doing is you're kind of summarizing what's been going on. And in that summary, you can discover a lot because you're deciding what's important to retell a story, essentially. So you're cutting out all the fluff. You don't ah, need to remember I when you floss, you know, right? I remember years ago reading about how when people type verbatim notes, they don't remember the notes as well as people who handwrite. And the, the specialist said it's because handwriting has a desirable degree of difficulty. You can't write every word. So you have to first decide, process, what's important? What am I going to take down? That is so good. And so I think journaling can, can also solve that problem for people. But the important thing is, and I think this is the most important thing, I don't think you're ever going to fully know who you are. You're This is a constant road to discovery. This is like, we're all under construction all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you set your goal as completely known, that's perfectionism. Right. That's not going to happen. No. You're going to get disappointed. So we flash back. You're working. You're the receptionist. I don't know yep. if it was your title. Yep. Assi- assistant. Yeah. You're in the lobby of a small real estate office. Yep. It would have been easy for you to, you know, kind of go a couple different paths. Uh, entitlement. Uh, yeah. I shouldn't have to answer the phones. Yeah. Um, this works beneath me. Yeah. Regret. My last job was so much better than this one. Yeah. Fear. What if the economy collapses again and I lose the pizza job and the receptionist job? Right. Blame. It's not my fault. Resignation. This is how things will be forever. But you don't go down those paths. You start to build something. How does that happen? Well, I'll tell you, first of all, those paths were available and I would step down them a couple of steps every once in a while. I think we all do that. You know, you, we're never all positive all the time. So I think, you know, one thing that's important that I try to share, you know, I work with a lot of people who are a lot younger than I am. I mean, this, of course, this is to my dismay. You know, I'm right. I, re- I never realized how old I am until I talk to someone and I realize I could be their mother. And I don't mean like teen bride. I mean, like yeah, yeah. was and married. And, yeah. mid-20s. Like, <laughs> right, right. <yeah>. And... <laughs> One of the things I tell them is I'm still figuring, I'm figuring this stuff out. You know, you, you might say, Colleen, I need your advice because you've got it figured it out. I'll tell you, I have not figured it all out. So I think that's the first thing is I was, I have those tendencies too. So it'd be like, oh, I can't believe this happened. This is ridiculous. I, w- I thought I was headed down the right path. You know, what's going on? And one thing that's important to me that I've learned for me is that your experience in life is just that. It's the experiences that you have and you have some control of that stuff. You don't necessarily have control over what happens to you because we all witness things happen. You know, during this downturn and during COVID, John, you were planning to do a lot of speaking engagements. You know, I was. And there was was no amount of hustle that would have changed those. No. No no. positive attitude would have gotten clients to rebook their live events. There was no no gumption, no grit. No. No, if you just say the right right combination of words. (laughs) No, that was not. And I think that's a tendency in life is that sometimes doors just shut on you. It just happens. And I, you know, I use an analogy a lot when I'm talking to someone who's got a business plan and then, you know, 
the world just takes it like an etch-a-sketch and shakes it all up. I say, you know, let's imagine that you and I had agreed we're going to arrive at a certain restaurant to have lunch together outside, masks separated, (laughs) and you hit a detour on the road. You don't say, well, I guess now I'm just stuck here. This, I'm going to have to wait till they're done with the road construction. Guys, it's going to take three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> what you do instead is you go, I got to go another way. And for me, another way at that time was I'm going to do have three jobs. I'm going to keep my feet moving. And, and it, something's going to open up at some point because it always does. And I'll just keep saying yes to stuff. And at the same time, I really want to enjoy my day. You know, I want every day to feel like I contributed to something. I participated in something. And, you know, I noticed, you know, here, you know, every once in a while, I go down that woe is me path. And then I would see these parents walking in. It was summer. It was hot out. Boston is not a well air conditioned city, typically. And here they are taking their college age kids around looking for an apartment and realizing they're going to spend two to three times the budget they wanted for something that's not where they want to land their most precious cargo. You're not in Back Bay. You're not in Back Bay. (laughs) Right. And even if you are, it's going to be a tiny little place. And so I, you know, would offer them cool water and, you know, anything I could do to try to make them comfortable. But then, you know, I said to one of my coworkers, I just wish I could offer people like nice coffee or like a cappuccino or something. Well, the guy said, oh, one of my clients works at a, and I think it was, it was either an espresso. It was one of these, these uh, companies that makes, all of this stuff, you know, this, this espresso stuff. He's like, I can get us a machine and stuff. The guy has always offered it. So he brings a machine in and he's got the pods and all that stuff. I go and I get milk. And when people come in now, I'm saying, here, take a load off, have a seat. Can I get you a glass of water? Would you like an espresso or a cappuccino? And you would think that I offered them a spa treatment for a full day. Just being kind to another person and trying to take care of them. It feels good. And I started to really enjoy that part of it. And I was trying to take care of the people I worked with, you know, well, how can I make your life easier? Let's just, you know, let's get through this and kind of this, let's get through this together kind of thing. Which and, is a good phrase right now. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we did that for a while and I was doing, you know, freelance work as a graphic designer. And uh, one of the guys at the company said, hey, listen, can you help me with this graphic design project? You know, we'll pay you. I said, yeah, sure. And then- How uh, did he know you did freelance graphic design? Because um, I think we probably, I well, as you can tell, I'll talk a dog off a meat wagon. So we probably started conversing at some point. <laughs> is that a phrase people say? I'll talk a dog off a meat wagon. This has already been very educational. Well, I'll tell you what, after all these viewers, it's going to be the hottest new phrase. I, I know at least my mother and father will listen to this. So those okay. are two other people are going to be using that phrase. <laughs> That's so great. I'm going to start saying it. I'm going to. It's like casually, like when people are least expecting it. And they're going to be like, where is this meat wagon headed? I said, I don't know where it's going, but it's going to have one less dog on it. Wait till I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Oh, so we, you know, I'm sure I just, we were chit-chatting one day and he said, oh, so what else do you do? And I told him and, you know, and so then I did that. And But that's another, like, you had some other things going. Yes. Like, that's the other thing, like. If I'm writing down, okay, here's the Colleen kind of principles, like keep moving is a principle and you're moving, like you're doing freelance. And not only that, you let them know. So like when people tell me I want to be a public speaker, I always say, well, do people know you do that? And if they don't know you do that, they can't hire you to do that. No. So he asked about the graphic design. What happens next? Yeah. So I said, I'm happy to do it. So I do the project and it comes out well. And, you know, so we're showing off, hey, check out how cool this came out. You know, we're doing this and that. And then all of a sudden, the marketing director said, can you come and work in our department part-time? I said, sure, I can. And then it turned into full-time. And then he left and I was running the department. And then the company got bought out and we grew it. And then I ended up working uh, at one point, uh, I was helping people business plan because they would come in and say, I want to send out this marketing piece. I'd say, great. What do you want it to say? They're like, I don't know. Well, who do you want it to go to? I'm not really sure. Okay, well, hold on. Let's start at the <laughs> beginning. What, what's your business plan? I don't have one. All right, let's. So we would kind of do a 45 minute conversation to get to the final 15 minutes of the original question. And so that was my next job was director of productivity, which was an entirely made up title. I mean, it wasn't a job that existed, but it was how can you help people be more productive and get to their goals? Every job I've taken, I've been totally unqualified for, with the exception of the phone answering job, because I knew how to answer the phone. You've but the seen rest a phone it, before. Yeah. I had seen one. Yeah. I had owned one before. Yeah, that's good. Ownership. Um, good. This was an, uh, one of those examples of, I don't have the bona fides to do what I'm being asked to do, so I better study as much as I can. So I started 
talking to the agents who I knew who were really successful and said, you know, how do, how do you do this? <laughs> Tell me about how you make your money. How do you generate Are you clients? taking notes? Like you're physically taking notes? When 100. They- I'm a big note taker. I am a list maker, a note taker. I mean, yeah. I'm, this is how much of a list taker I am. I will write down the stuff I've already done that day so I can cross it off. Oh, it's the best feeling in the world. I it's love ridiculous. that feeling in the world. Yeah. yeah I, I do that too. Is this the season you start doing your, what you called your library card MBA? It was, you know, it's really interesting. That was a time period where I thought I have a lot to learn. I don't have the knowledge or skill set that I need to do this job well. What age were you when you kind of were in that season? So roughly? That was, I was probably in my uh, mid thirties. Mid thirties. Yeah. So probably about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit somewhere in that range. When you face the re- realization, I got to learn a lot of new stuff. Like in every goal, every life has that. Some people get stuck in the sense of shame that I should already know how to do it. If I ask a lot of questions, I'll be embarrassed. I'm too far behind. I can never catch up. It's too late. How did you push through? And one, did you have any of that? Two, how did you overcome it? Good question. I am a very curious person. And that's something that's a part of my personality. I try to feed that part of my personality. And with my son, I'm trying to, I think kids are inherently curious. I actually think we push that out of people over time. We tell them, you know, you're supposed to know this stuff. It's, you know, it's not good to not know things. And I think it's really damaging to do that to people and to ourselves. You know, let's face it. If we didn't learn new things, the only thing we would be able to do is to sleep, cry, eat. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that would be it. And even making your bed, you're, somebody at some point taught you how to make your bed. You know, somebody at some point taught you how to write, how to read, hopefully. And if not, you can read, you can learn that too. And it's all just a matter of what do you want to put your intention and attention to? So I love the idea of learning new skills. And I know I'm going to be bad at it for a while. How do you get through that bad feeling? Because like, even for me, like, ugh, like, even this podcast, I'm not great at interviewing and I shouldn't be. I, this is the second one I've done. I think you're so, good at it. Mm, I just like, oh, how do you get through that? Because I, I want to be that. I want to be like, I love learning. Learning is like catching butterflies. Are you new picking memories. on me right now, John? This feels no, a little no, like mocking. Hypothetical, hypothetical, <laughs> different person with glasses. So like, how do you get through that? I think uh, there's an excitement for me in it. I, I will say I'm not afraid of being wrong. I'm really not. I'm not afraid of embarrassing myself. I, I think some of that is I'm very, <laughs> it's going to sound so, so dorky. I'm pretty comfortable with me. And I think the reason I am comfortable with me is I'm a good person. I work hard. I try to help people. And so I don't have a ton of fear about being wrong. I'm wrong a lot. If you ask the people I work with, they'll tell you she's wrong all the time. But I'll also admit, I try to be the first to admit when I've been wrong. (laughs) I'll fall on that sword. It's fine. I'm okay with being wrong. People are wrong all the time. I think the danger is when you're afraid to be wrong and you're afraid to try something new. You know, when you hear about people who have regrets toward the end of their lives, it's always that they didn't try something. It's not that they tried and weren't good at it. (laughs) Nobody says... You know, I can't believe I practiced at the violin and I never got to be as good as I wanted. They say, why did I never try violin? Why didn't I do that? Why did I spend eight hours a day watching Law and Order when I could have been spending yeah. at least half of that playing the violin? One song. Right. And and I think so for me, what was daunting was not, boy, there's a lot to learn. It was, I don't even know where to start. That was my problem. And so initially I was like, okay, so do I go try to get my MBA? Do I go, tr- you know, and and then I would look into those programs and, and I would it, talk to people about it. And they were like, well, unless you're going to go to one of like the really big institutions where you've got, a, you know, it's got a lot of clout and you're going to meet all the right people. It's kind of wasted money and time. And so then you're looking at over a hundred thousand bucks and three years of your life. And, and was it going to get me to where I want to go? Probably not. Like I've never been really into the big corporate entities. So instead I thought, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to find out what books they make like a first year MBA student read. And I started looking into stuff like that. I love that. Right? Just grab one or two of them. And I thought, if as long as I just start, I, I feel like, and I start asking people more questions, I feel like the path is going to open up. And that's generally been my experience. If you just start and you start applying your time to something and you start looking around and you poke into it, you usually find more information than you're ever going to use. And what I found is I read one book. 
And in that, I'm going to forget which one it was now. And in that book, they referred to like four or five other books. So I was like, oh, I guess I have my reading list now for the next month or so. And then in those books, they started referring to other books. And after a while, they were referring back to each other. And now you've got this network of sort of accepted knowledge, we'll say. And so I would look, I started looking at those types of books. And then I would try to find out, well, geez, it's really interesting how this person talks about being productive this way. I wonder why that is. So I started looking into how, like, how does the brain work? Because if you're trying to figure out what's stopping people from getting to where they're trying to go or what launches people and motivates them, understanding how the brain works is really fun. And so I started reading these, they were lay books. I mean, they were not like scientific books. Right. So it was, I ended up reading over a hundred books. I took classes. I and I found classes online. Um, fortunately for us, there are a lot of universities nearby here. So a lot of them have executive like two-day courses or night courses you can take. What position did you have at the company when you're doing all this? At that time, I was the director of productivity. Okay. And I am coaching salespeople, but I've never sold anything before. So yeah. it was daunting. That part of it was daunting. But what I decided was it doesn't have to be my experience but I have to get the, find out who has had that experience and how can I glean that from them and systematize it and give it to somebody else. And I learned that it was all about relationships. It was the, their businesses are about relationships with people. The ability for me to coach was about my relationship with that person. I mean, there was just so much about it that was kind of all feeding back onto itself. Are you good at being patient when you have a big goal? So like, the idea, because I think a lot of times when somebody has a goal like this and there's, because you didn't read a hundred books in a month. Like no. we kind of, as a culture, we like the like, you can write your book this weekend. You can, yes. you know, how did you pace that? Like, how did you have a measured pace? That's oh, such an interesting question. So the, um, I am patient, but I wasn't always. Um, one of the things that I have done for fun for a long time. And this was part of why I was a graphic designer when I first got out of school. I decided I wanted to go to art school. I wanted to learn how to paint, draw. And so I was pretty good at drawing things, but it wasn't, um, I didn't really have a system. So I would be, I would draw something that would be spot on. Next thing would be terrible. And what I started to learn is that while you're making a drawing or a painting, there are these time periods where it looks awful. You need to step back go do something else and come back to it. You need to get clarity because you start to focus on what's wrong with it. And the same thing happens with me in a, in a big goal. Like, you know, as I was saying, I, you know, I've been starting to work on stringed instruments in working on repair there and being someone who's new to it, it can tell you how many times you get into it and you're like, ah, I solved that. If I just can get the crack, you know, and now you're like, oh, now I've got eight problems. You know, there's a lot of make progress, run into a, a bump, step back for a second, take a breather, figure out what you, what you did right, what you would do differently next time. Now tackle each thing one at a time. And so while I was, you know, on that goal to learning more, and again, there wasn't like, I'm going to read a hundred books or I'm going to, there's specific set of knowledge that I have to understand. It was, I want to get better at this. And I feel like at some point, I'm going to have a sense that I have gotten to a point where I have enough experience and knowledge to be able to deliver value to somebody else. And it, I would say about two years in, that's when I started to feel that way. That like, okay, this has real shape to it now. I've got enough experience where now there's shorthand to these answers. It's not like, oh, they're asking me a question. This is going to take me a few hours of really noodling this to figure out what the right answer is. I will say I'm pretty patient with goals, but I have to do a lot of stopping and assessing and, and taking a minute and cutting myself some slack. You know, you're starting your day. And you want to you want to do ten things, but you can probably only do six. Are you good at going? I can do six, and I don't. And maybe I can stretch and do eight, but I'm not going to put down ten because I won't feel good at the end of the day because I'll feel like I failed four, even though I knew six was the. You know, I'm not good at that. You know what I'm actually really good at is putting the same thing that I'm going to put off on my to do list. You know, eight or nine days in a row, and then I use the best uh, productivity app I've ever found which is the timer app on my phone. That, I use that one religiously. It is the best app because what you do is you say, all right, Colleen. <laughs> well, and I wouldn't call yourself Colleen, but I yeah. say, all right, Colleen, here's the deal. How long is this really going to take you? Yeah. And I'll say, all right, this is a 90 minute project. That's, that's the max it should take me. At the end of 90 minutes, I'm going to be done. So then I set up 90 minutes in my calendar. I'm in a meeting for that time. 
I set the timer, boom, and I'm done in 45 friggin' minutes. And yeah. I have been putting that off and making myself feel guilty. Giving it mental space. Oh, lots of mental, as much roadway as I can find for yeah. it. Yeah. And so what I've tried to learn to do for me is, first of all, stop making yourself feel guilty. Like, cause, cause what I would do in the past is then I would just ignore it and hope it goes away. <laughs> yeah. Like it does itself somehow. Right. It's gonna, like you magic, right. your to-do list does itself. It's going to evaporate into the ether yeah. and I'll never have to worry. Um, no. So I, at some point I discovered that, you know, you really, there's a great book called Eat That Frog. It's, you mm-hmm. gotta just. Is that Brian Tracy? I think so. I yes. Think so, yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, listen, if this has been bugging you, Start your day tomorrow with it. Set a timer. Get the darn thing done. And you yeah. are going to feel like a king when you're done with that. So that is so true. So you're you're working on coaching sales teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you're CEO. So yeah. like what are those final stairs? Good question. So I it, you know, it, it at different times, I've been really fortunate to have a great mentor. I've actually had a number of really good mentors in my life, but one of my greatest mentors is uh, my boss and good friend and basically a family member. And he is one of the owners of the company. And I remember at one point when I was doing the coaching thing, I was like, this is exciting. It's fun to watch someone grow their business. Like, I like this. And we started scaling the program and we were offering classes to lots of people and connecting them with each other so they could solve each other's problems. And then they're growing businesses together and all this stuff. And I said, you know, at some point I might want to run a company. And he was like, hmm. I would say it was probably a few, maybe five years later, he said, uh, I need to start stepping back. You know, I would like to have some alone time. (laughs) And uh, he asked if I would take his role over. And after I picked my job off the floor, I thought, you know, I'm going to have to do a lot more work to figure out how to do this stuff. So I started, you know, and I'm still, I will say I still learn every day, but that, you know, I was going back to school again, essentially, you know, as far as I'm concerned, when you graduate from college, it's like the beginning, I think they call it commencement, right? (laughs) It's the beginning. It's not the end. You know, you're going to constantly be trying to educate yourself. And if you can learn self-education as a tool, you can kind of do anything you want want within reason. I mean, I'm never going to be like a point guard in the NBA, but, um, yeah, that ship is sailed for both. That of us. one's yeah, it's yeah. gone. It's, yeah. uh, yeah. With the dog in the meat wagon. So, yeah. so there's just a lot of learning and being okay with being wrong again and saying, you know, and, and having someone who was willing to take that ride with me. But someone who had seen you for years already yes. put in the effort. Yes. Like it wasn't your, your mentor, the owner of the company didn't pluck you off the street and say, I see CEO in your eyes. Right. No, 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 no. And I think what was happening too, is the whole time to some extent, you know, I think when I said someday I may want to run a company, I'm now in my head and maybe in his head creating space for that idea. Like we're starting to flesh that picture out, you know, this, there are elements here, you know. Had you voiced that before? Only that one time to him. I don't think I, I don't know that I ever said that to anybody else. You know, it was just one of those things where the way that we run this company is it's like a big family, you know, and it's grown a lot. You know, since I was, you know, the, as you called me, the lobby barista, since the being the lobby barista to today, we've grown it from three offices to 24 offices. We did three acquisitions this year. That's in the crazy. middle of COVID. Yeah, that's wild. That's hard work because so much of it is earning people's trust when you buy a company. You have to earn their trust. You have to deliver value to them. And trying to do that remotely is, or with a mask on, you know, they can't even see your mouth. <laughs> Just trust my eyebrows. Yeah. These are trustworthy <laughs> eyebrows. One of the guys I work with, my, my my work brother, as I call him, Mario, said, I have learned I don't smile with my eyes. This could be a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I, on Zoom, I have the most ferocious looking face because I'm like, I'm concentrating. And I'm like, <laughs> I have to tell people, I know I look furious, but it's just because I'm taking notes. Like, I that's why irate. we won't use this video. Like, we're not going to use this video in part because I'm looking at my questions going, make sure you get to that one. <laughs> I've been shaking in my boots the whole time, John. I thought maybe there was something wrong. <laughs> no, no. I'm just like, okay, what's the, because there's so many, you're saying so many fascinating things. I think the concept I keep coming back to is, it's almost like, when you bump into a new goal or a new challenge or a new season, you start a new semester of Colleen school. Yep. And you say, okay, what prerequisites yeah. have I already learned? I learned right. cable, no bueno. Yep. Cable's not good. Okay, I'm bringing that forward, bringing that forward. What are the new things I have to do? Okay, what are the books? What are the people? What are the relationships? And you build a new school for yourself 
and then you work through that school. 100%. And you're going to still go through all those self-doubt moments, or at least I do. Maybe there are other There's still finals. Yeah. Every school semester <sighs> has like, it's the night before. Like, and I'm the age where there was a computer lab. And so you oh, didn't yeah. know if you had access to a computer. Like, it wasn't like you wrote your paper on the quad with a laptop. No. Like, you no. went into the most depressing room on the entire campus. Yeah. Computer lab. Enormous, really heavy, Ugh. thick plastic computers. Printer, yeah. like one phone for tech support yeah. that nobody ever answered. No, no. There was gum stuck to the receiver, no doubt. Oh, no, yeah. it, was, yeah. it was gross. So one of the things I loved in your bio that was listed is that you're known for exploring the findings of other disciplines and professions to uncover new ideas. Yeah. If you look at that, because I think that there's a big thread of learning here. What's another industry, something else that you said, oh, I know we're real estate, we're, you know, you think we're this, but I saw this in Highlight. Like there's something Highlight players do that's really... What's an example of that? Wow, that's super niche, John. And wouldn't it be funny if I had a really big highlight? Yeah, if you're like, fashion? actually, my neighbor is a professional highlight player in Brazil. I'll and tell it's you funny. what, yeah. in Hartford, Connecticut, there was a highlight team when I was growing up. Yeah, it's yeah. like you can die so easily during highlight. It, like, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the only thing that would make that more dangerous is if they drove cars through there while they were doing it. It's a rock moving at like 100 miles an hour. You have a hurler to throw it. It's not even Your like helmet a, is like one sixteenth of an inch thin leather. All it is, honestly, is a face mask in today's world. Just put yeah, on top of your just head. Just put on top of your brain. Well, I'll tell you, it's funny. When I started doing all those readings, I kind of went through all those ones where I said it was like, you know, essentially what would an MBA student read? You know, so I was reading, you know, Jim Collins and Christensen. I'm going to forget his first name, but there were all these really, they were great books. But then I started reading others. I was really interested in, for instance, and of course we've got a very similar sounding names. Colleen Barrett co-wrote a book called Lead with Love, L-U-V. And that was about the Southwest Airlines story. Ah. And that's a company that I think of, they're delivering something totally different than we're delivering it. They're moving people from one airport to another airport and they're, they're dealing with the FAA, FAA. They're dealing with all these other things, but really they're a customer service company and that's what we are. And that's what my job is. I'm called the CEO, but really I'm a really good customer service person. I'm supposed to help, you know, I'm serving my, my employees. I'm serving my agents. I'm serving their clients. I'm trying to help us all do that in a gelled way where we have direction and all of that. Um, we've got the tools that we need, but I, I read a, this book that she wrote and it was really impactful. And there were a lot of lot little, you know, pieces, little gems of wisdom in there. One of the stories that stayed with me was there was a customer that was sort of abusive to them over the years. It was someone who every time they would fly, they would come up with all these complaints. I can't believe that this happened and then that happened. And I, you know, and I want to free this and I wanted that. And at some point, and I can't believe I'm going to forget his name right now, but the, the gentleman who started Southwest Airlines. Herb was an, Kelleher. Yes, he was an attorney, right? And he had to do a lot, he was doing a lot of like bus travel because there were no secondary airport to secondary airport airlines, which is why he started Southwest. And, and he asked his secretary to take a letter to the client and it said, we will miss you. <laughs> that was the whole. That was it. <laughs> Basically, go with God. We've had enough. (laughs) We release you. We release you. 100%. And that was one of those moments. And I thought it was such a funny story. And he was known for his wit. So this was not a, you know, something that was out of character for Herb. I mean, he was a very interesting guy. But what was interesting to me about that is that was one of those moments where I was thinking, if you want to really be good at something, you have to decide what you're not going to be good at. And I was seeing that, you know, when you when you go through the, these moments of discovery, what happens is you read things and you're reading this book and you get this message out of it. And then you get into the car and you turn on the radio and they say something kind of similar. And you talk to your friend who goes, you know what? I heard this funny story and you feel like someone's talking to you. You're like, okay, I heard you that time. I heard you now. And one of the messages that was coming out of all these books was if you want to be really good at something, you have to decide what you're going to be bad at. You can't be good at everything. You know, we were discovering that we really are best for mid-career agents, someone who has already started their business. They want to get to the next level. We can't necessarily be great for brand new agents. So maybe that's not what we do. We have to decide that's not going to be our best course of action. And so, yeah, that was one of them. I mean, there were there were so many really great books. I actually have my library card and I would grade them at the end. So I would know if ah. I wanted to go back and recommend them and write little notes. How would you, what was your process where you take notes in the, like a notebook and then you like for each book, like what was that process like? So it was different at different times. I would say I don't have a specific process for that because 
over time, I've actually, especially um, when I would drive around to different offices, I'd spend so much time in the car that I started listening to a lot of books. And what I would find myself doing in that case, because you can't write, it's hard to write notes that way, yeah. is I started using Evernote. So I'd write little notes, ideas. So something would pop into my mind. I've got an ideas notebook. I'd chuck it in there, you know, from such and such book, do this or try this out. But, you know, when it was a real live book, I could kind of underscore stuff. I would sometimes I would use a piece of paper as my bookmark and I would write notes on the bookmark. And at the end, I would kind of have some stuff I could decide what I wanted to use. So I've done it a lot of different ways, nothing specific. But one of those books, John, and I don't want to embarrass you here, but was Start. And I just recommended that twice in the last couple of weeks. Oh, fun. That was a really great book. And I remember basically I wrote, I think I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but it's something like this guy gets it or this is spot on because I think so many of these books, you feel like you get a little piece of this, a little piece of that. Your book was kind of like all of these pieces kind of just gelled into place. And every once in a while you read a book like that when you go, oh, this is it. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, and speaking of books, you wrote a book. I did. Yeah. Yeah. There's no such thing as luck. Yeah. Are you going to write another book? Because I think there's going to be a lot of people that hear this conversation and they recognize one, like we barely scratched the surface because there's so many interesting things you're working on, which is why I couldn't wait to put you in the first chapter of Soundtracks. I couldn't wait to do an interview. So I just think there's going to be a lot of people that go, oh, I love a Colleen book. Are you working on that? Are you dreaming about that? I am. I actually have Two, one that's really far out, but one that I've actually started creating the outline for. And it's about this tool that I developed with some of our agents to get you when you're in one place in your career and you want to get to the next one. How do you break that down into steps? For some reason, I'm a good linear thinker. So one of the things that I'm pretty good at is creating an order of operations. And so just working with people who were so good at just being open with me and trusting and saying, this is what I'm trying to do. Here's where I am now. You know, we broke it down into essentially a gap analysis. It's a gap analysis tool, you know, and you break it down to these pieces and you say, this is where I am now. And this is where I want to go. We called it the, the SIP gap. So that is something that um, I'm in the outlining phase for right now. I would say I don't write great books like you do, John. These are almost like pamphlets that have kind of overgrown themselves. <laughs> They're like 50 <laughs> pages, you know, for the most part, that'll usually get it done. And, you know, one of my favorite books is a short one, actually, The Dip by Seth Godin. Oh, come on. It's, it's on my top, great book. top five list. It's yeah. a great book. And you can, so sit, you can read it in one sitting. Yeah, and then you could read it multiple times and get yep. other things out of it. Yeah, that's a really great book. Mindset by Carol Dweck, by the way. If anybody yep. is kind of stuck and they can't figure out why and they're trying to figure out how they want to grow or expand themselves, I think that's just a fabulous book to help you understand how just changing your mindset can change so much. And it is changeable. It's, it, that's a flexible thing. Yeah, that fixed first growth. I, uh, that, was a, that was another good one. Okay, last question. What are your goals for the year? Like, what are you working on that you're excited about? What are some things in any area of your life? Oh, so uh, there are a couple of goals I'm working on. Um, one, I'm in a, in a spot right now where I'm working on some meditation practices for myself. My goal is to get that to be a daily practice of, of at least 10 minutes. Are you using an app for that? I actually, I have been using two different apps for that. One of them is called Insight Timer, which I think is a really good app. And then um, I follow this meditation teacher. Um, her name is Tara Brock, and she's on, I use Stitcher for most of my podcast stuff, but she has her, her things in there. And I've been reading a lot of books about meditation, uh, Pema Chodron and other people like that. So it's, I think, uh, especially given how harried this year was for a lot of us, it was tough to keep our minds in a good space. And I I feel like I've got to learn how to kind of manage that a little bit better. So that's one thing I'm working on. And then we've got, you know, big plans for the company to rejigger things. And I think my goal for the year is to empower the people around me and to uh, delegate in a better way because as a company gets bigger and we've, you know, again, over the last even two years, we've tripled the number of offices. So I've got to learn to let go of stuff more. And So delegation is a big piece of that. So that's another personal goal. But actually, I'm in the midst of writing my goals for this upcoming year. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, this has been a blast for me. I can't wait for the book to come out so more people can hear your story. This was so, so fun. I feel like we could talk all day because there's so many things we gel on. And I grew up in Massachusetts. So a lot of of your references are references I understand. Um, and you know, I think the first time we talked, I probably mentioned Papa Gino's and other oh, things yeah. that, although that's gone, Papa Gino's is bankrupt. Yeah, that's too bad. 
and I live, you're in Belmont, right? Is that I where your am. office is? Yeah. And I was right down the street in Arlington. So it's always fun to connect. I'm with actually somebody else. sitting in Arlington right now, John. <laughs> I loved Arlington. Like we lived a couple a blocks town. off of Mass Ave. Yep. And we would walk to the red line. Like I love Arlington. We couldn't afford it. Like we could rent, yes. but like we were probably going to have to move to like Fitchburg to buy. Yeah. It's, Massachusetts has a lot of great towns and a lot of them are right around Boston. But, you know, it's a really this year we haven't been able to travel outside of the state for good reason. But it's one of those moments where you end up. Ha- it's almost a gift because you rediscover all of the great stuff within. the Oh, state. yeah. We're it's really fun. lucky. But I was it's- supposed to head to Nashville in April and that's been canceled. I'm really bummed about it. Well, we'll welcome you anytime you're here. Last thing, where can people find out more about your work? Is it do you want them to go check out your first book? Oh, sure. They could do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the first book, it's on Amazon. It's um, called There Is No Such Thing As Luck. It's a short read, I promise you. And it's a lot of fun. But you can also follow me on Instagram. I can be found. Um, I actually shot the handle over to your assistant, John. Oh, great. Great. We'll put all that in the show notes. And I'm sure we'll list a bunch of different books that we talked about today in the show notes. If you Do you have a personal, like, this is my reading list? Like, at your office, is there an office reading list that you guys do? Oh, that's interesting. No, we we don't have that. We actually had a shared library at one point, but you know, everybody runs around so much that we discovered that actual books were just getting lost along the way. Yeah. With but in a good way. Yeah. But I have my own sort of library card list. I'm happy to share that with people if they'd like yeah, it. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. So if you'll send me a copy of that, I asked the CEO that question the other day. I said, What are some some books you recommend? And he laughed and he said, I'll send you our list. And they had it was an amazing, very comprehensive three-page different categories of books. Oh, wow. and so I'll send that to you because it's, I think you'll go, what? This is a gold mine. That's amazing. And he was an amazing leader, somebody I think you'd really, uh, really enjoy. So awesome. Right. Well, Colleen, thank you so much for giving me some of your time. You've got a bunch of fun stuff headed your way. Oh, and I you. think the listeners are going to love this. And I'm so appreciative that you've been on the podcast today. Oh, I'm so thrilled to do it, John. Congratulations on the book and congratulations on a great year. Thanks, Colleen. This episode of the podcast was brought to you by MetaShare. Text John, J-O-N, to 474747 for more information. Huge thank you to MetaShare for sponsoring it. J-O-N to 474747. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.